All right. So, heading up to Concord in my absolute... Literally, I'm driving... You know those Jeeps they had in World War II? They didn't even have, like, roofs, you know, and the front windshield could <coughs> fold down. That's what I'm driving right now. And that's okay. I'm actually grateful for it. Man, another house for sale in my neighborhood. 439, 1,300 square feet. I swear, my friend John would be like, you got to get in on this action. And I think he's right. Um, so I think big news here. I think I'm shifting this podcast over to, wait for it, LinkedIn. I'm like, enough making content and media for free. Start aligning all your efforts with revenue streams or into revenue streams. And allow... Allow your work to compound on itself. You know, right now I'm a dispersed, it's all a dispersed effort. I'm shining in too many different directions. I did some testing on LinkedIn and I found that, you know, I got this experience I just had for a company, uh, my last client, and, you know, everything didn't go over well with them. My, my second uh, lead gen assignment did, was not successful. And that was a stretch too far for them. And I understand. A company, though, has to be willing to change course based on its marketing efforts. Like, you have to, have to, have to. And I think they know that because their market dynamics are different. And Anyway, I like talking about business. I like talking about finance. I like talking about startups. I like talking about geopolitics in so much as how it affects us on a realistic basis tariffs and trade wars and the like. Um, And so I'm literally like, I've been planning this training community for years. And I just can never seem to pull the trigger because I never seem to know exactly what to do. And then the money's good, you know, it's flowing in elsewhere. So you never really worry about it. Once that spigot stops, you're like, I got to figure everything out. And that urgency is great. That's one of the best things about having uh, grown up or spent any sort of time in a big city is the pace of life you get to experience. And when you bring that pace, that energy to business, it's amazing how much can happen. It's only Tuesday and I've gotten so much done this week already across all my projects. And so, yeah, basically I'm like, you know, I went to stand up last night. And somehow just crushed it. Just, I mean, this room, as far as I was concerned, it was a room full of killers. I mean, the, the bar was so high. Everyone was getting up and just doing really well. The crowd was very responsive. And, you know, they all have like, they take it very much more seriously than I do. And they take workshops and they work on their jokes and they have structure and all this stuff. And so I'm like, I should maybe, you know, I was so nervous. The nerves were like, through the roof. First time in a new place. The, the uh, place was much more intimate. 
and people were, the comics, if you will, were doing way, way better. And then the, the other place I usually go to. And so I get up on stage and I had this little set list I made because everyone else had set lists. I'm like, maybe this little will provide a little bit of order and this sea of chaos I'm drowning in. Uh, and I, I write down these three jokes, these three bits I wanted to work on. Uh, one was about Indian food. One was about um, Iran. One was about dogs. Right. And so I shortened it so I could remember it on stage because everybody looks at their notebook or something to remind them. Uh, India, Iran, dogs, India, Iran, dogs. And I'm like, okay, okay. And right before I go up, this guy goes up on stage and he just bombs. And the thing is, when you have low self-esteem, it comes out. Right. And we all have low self-esteem. But when you start panicking, it, it there's nothing like getting on stage. Everyone's looking at you and you not making anything funny happen. It's this horribly uncomfortable feeling and the whole room feels it, right? And you can it seems like you can either lean into it and acknowledge it or you can you can do all sorts of stuff, but the thing that many of us do naturally is apologize and acknowledge that it's horrible but not in a funny way, in like like kind of a panicked way. And so this guy was just like for 4 or 5 minutes just bombing no laugh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Finally, remember, we're all trying to be, like, supportive. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be supportive again. Because I'm like, I don't know if you should be doing this, man. And maybe you need to hear the uncomfortable silence for four and a half minutes straight until you realize that, too. Because he was not taking, I don't know, but he, like, refused to be funny. And... So I get up on, on, I'm after this guy, second to last, and it's just this, like, you know, the room forgot the laughter was possible. The comedy was a thing. It was just a void of humor. And I'm at peak panic. I had to have two drinks just to, like, take the edge off, which I don't even know if it works, but I have to have something in my hand. It's so I don't know how people do it sober. And I have my three jokes I'm going to work on. I've said them before, my, my bits. And I had this joke that I was going to say about how, about how, uh, you know, the guy before me, right? Acknowledge how bad he was and then make fun of him and I can move on. But it slipped my mind. I jumped into kind of fight or flight. As soon as I got to get on stage, I freak out, right? And I kind of black out. It's so nerve-wracking, and I, I forget to do my joke, my transition joke, right, oh, the, the, give it up for the guy that bombed so hard, right, acknowledge that he bombed, man, that was hard to watch, I haven't seen someone bomb that hard in my entire life, and I'm from Iran, right, just cheap, easy humor, and I forgot it, so I just get in like, oh, right, so what's the deal with Indian food, right, and everyone's like not following me. I could feel their energy lacking and lagging and they're just not there with me. And I'm like, oh, dear God. And you in the mo- you know, and you can't you have to think in the background while you're talking. You can't pause and think about what to do. And so I'm like, this is I don't see a route out of this. I'm not feeling my my bits are not feeling funny right now to me. And so, you know. 
I just abandoned script and I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm getting off script. And I did maybe four minutes of crowd work riffing on people in the crowd and, you know, making observations about just like premises I kind of had floating around my head. And man, it did so well. I was so shocked. Everyone came up to me and people that have been in the comedy scene for years. They're like, dude, that was really good. Your crowd bit was killing. I was like, I don't have that kind of self-esteem. I have I have a sort of like dogged self-confidence that I know I I know I will eventually get good enough at anything I keep doing. That's just like it's been born out. Everyone knows that I've lived through it. I've done it to myself, you know, I've experienced it. I believe it to be true. But I during that period I have zero self-confidence in my abilities. I have such low self-esteem. It's hilarious, really. And so everyone telling me I was good was one thing. And then guys telling me I'm good who've been doing it for years and book rooms and stuff. I was like, you know, I got on, on some uh, some bookers' radar last night. And I was like, holy cow. And my friend's like, dude, you should have a little more self-confidence for how well you're doing. I'm like, I, I'm not there yet, man. I'm just not there yet. But I, in the morning, I woke up and I thought about it. And I was like, man, that's funny. Everyone was so impressed by my, uh, my crown work. And I didn't say it because I, you know, I was, it's hard enough to take compliments, let alone like say that was nothing because crowd work to me is just like teasing people. That's like my default personality. And so it's so easy for me to just tease people. I can do it with my eyes closed. And, you know, try to be funny, try to make a point, make them laugh at themselves, right? <coughs> Excuse me. And <coughs> it was the first time I realized, like, hey, my kind of true self just came out on stage, you know, in a... In a way, I had, I was very much myself. When I'm ribbing on people, I'm very much like being honest and authentic and all these things that you hear about doing and you want to do, but it wasn't until I was absolutely forced to do it that you're uncomfortable doing because in many ways, it's your most vulnerable thing. And, the, you know, one guy was like, "That's it's dicey going after the crowd. But I'm like, no, that was the most confident and comfortable I've felt in a really long time. I can get up on stage and command a minor presence. It was maybe 30 people or something, 20 people. But, like, that to me, you know, people are comfortable in different situations. That to me, I'm very comfortable in. And so now I'm like, oh my gosh, I am going to do that all the time. I don't know if I'm ever going to write a bit again. You know, I don't know. But but it, it gave me the confidence to do what I'm going to do today, which is some sort of live show for B2B, a business-to-business live show. And I'm taking my Minicore podcast, so I think in the future what I'm going to do is take the audio from that show and publish it here through um, Anchor, right? And it's going to be the Minicorp show, Minicorp live podcast, 
and it's going to be for B2B audiences, so business people, other businesses. And, you know, this research I was, so I, I have this kind of methodology framework I've developed doing um, marketing. And while I thought the methodology that I would prosper with was the methodology for generating more leads, it turns out the process is uh, too expensive for the average B2B company. You got 30 employees. The stuff I do and I had done for, you know, the previous company that validated for the previous company I worked with, it's too expensive. It's just too expensive. And so the results are, you know, not, um, they're expensive. So they're proportionate to the budget, right? And the thing that I ended up realizing I know how to do was how to make content, B2B content, like, rapidly. You're so fast. And that turns out, and it's not something I particularly enjoy, but that turns out to be much more valuable because it allows one person inside the company or an agency to make a lot of content a lot faster, high quality business to business content, you know, PDFs, case studies, uh, sell sheets, uh, blog posts, right? White papers, much faster, much, 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 much faster. And for less, you know, less hours to create means less effectively templated. I've templated, uh, all my B2B stuff. And it's really interesting because it's just like a different, um, all the content comes from interviews, excuse me. And every piece of content is really just a different template of, of Q and A's. I see all the business to business content ever made as answering buyer questions. And if you look at like a sales sheet for a product, you know, the place where you have the headline, it's really, what is the product? And then below it is like, what is the value proposition? And you can just ask people these questions on video. (coughs) Excuse me. And take their audio answers, transcribe them, and copy and paste them effectively and edit them down real fast. Well, you can have someone else do all that work and then the marketer can actually edit down the uh, copy to make it better. But you have this like pre-made mold that makes your life so much easier and makes everything a lot faster. Anyway, so it's like this turnkey, this like factory assembly style process for making business business content, which used to cost way too much money to make. And so I have this framework for making business business content much faster so that one person can do it all, whereas before they can't. You know, most of these companies have one business, uh, one marketing person and they got to do everything and they just can't. There's just not enough time in the day. So I've found a way to just like make that a million times faster. And you know, so I got this framework and it's worth a lot of money. It's worth a lot of money. You know, it can make me 100 to 150 a year just doing it for people, right? That's good money. 
it costs me maybe 15 grand to do, but I can make like a hundred pieces of content in six months very uh, well. And if an agency, so I, I've, I've tried to test who wants this, right? And so I tested people that were in HubSpot groups because it's based on HubSpot, people that uh, liked marketing software and people that were marketers. And lo and behold, who was it that signed up for my you know, fake webinar? It was people that were in HubSpot groups that used HubSpot as a service, as an, you know, sold HubSpot services. So they managed, set up and manage your HubSpot account. And HubSpot's like a marketing automation tool for business to business companies. And <clears throat> I have a whole framework for how to use it, how to set it up. And so I'm like, okay, I got this information. Who wants it the most? HubSpot people, people that use that sell HubSpot services, HubSpot consultants, agencies. So then I went and I found a tool that my friend was using in my other company um, that I never heard of called Linked Helper 2. And Linked Helper 2 automates LinkedIn work and workflows by pretending to be you. So open up a window in the background that you can watch and it'll go and click all the buttons to do the things that you told it to do. And so now I am meeting or friend requesting a bunch of people that had, you know, that came up for HubSpot agency and they're, you know, they're joining my request. So now I'm like, I feel like I'm chumming the water or I feel like I have a, a, a swarm of sharks and I have to chum my the water with some bait, which is my content. And so hence the podcast for B2B. The B2B podcast, the mini core B2B show. And I just want to make it entertaining and to hang out with everybody and make a show for them that they enjoy watching. That's my goal. And then the advertisement in the show is going to be for this, for my book, really. And if people want my book, then we can talk about everything else. But if they don't have my book, I don't want to deal with them as a client. If they're not willing to read this tiny little pamphlet and agree generally, you know, find that valuable, like, forget it. And then, so from there, that's why I want to build an email list and then sell, like, a, uh, you know, here's my, my business goal, my is a lifestyle goal, lifestyle business of recurring high-margin revenue. That's what I want, Right? passive income. That's the dream. And I tried doing like low cost training and it takes a bunch of ad dollars. But I'm like, I'm a B2B guy, I realized. And I'm not afraid to be on stage anymore at all. Like who cares, right? Just get up there and riff. Be the kind of guy, be the kind of person that can command an audience. Don't worry about what you say so much. It's almost like where you're coming from is more important than where you think you want to go or something, you know? And um, so I want to be entertaining and then, you know, promote my book, download my book for free and and be free, right? I think, and I realized because I'm hanging out with the other comics at the bar last night and comics, I say that in quotes. Everyone's an open mic. I'm like, you're not a comic. My buddy's like, we're comics. We're comics. younger than me. I'm like, no, 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 no. 
we're open mic comics. Open mic comics. Don't delude yourself. Until you're doing something full time, you're not a that thing. Uh, you don't need to get paid, but until you're doing, if until it's your number one focus, then you're not that thing. You're just it's a hobby. Let's be real. Whatever it is, writing, art, paint, like go full time and figure out how to make it work, or 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 else you will never figure out how to make it become a a career or anything profitable. And, you know, it's weird to see people come up afterwards trying to hang out who didn't go on stage. I'm like, dude, you're too much right now. You, you, this isn't the time to... If, if, everyone comes up and tries to make all the comics laugh and be silly afterwards, and they're, like, not silly. And it's just because there's this piece missing to their personality, which is the bravery to get on stage like everybody else and bomb. Right? That's it. That's all you got to do. People say, oh, can I come to comedy night? I'm like, yeah, you got to get on stage. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm not having you sit there and judge my act, what you know, garbage act that it is, if you're not willing to get up on stage. Like, this is a play, this is a writer's workshop. This isn't like a, you know, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe I was being too defensive or whatever, but that's kind of how I feel. If you get on stage, you're, you know, down to hang. If not, uh, you, you know, the, the hang is for people that went on stage. It's just, you're all vibing off of the adrenaline flow and all this stuff. It's like, it is what it is. You can't get in without, you don't, without feeling it. I don't know. It is what it is. So, so I realized, you know, this show is really going to be for like, for marketers and for agency people to start. They get these kinds of things, these media projects. Companies don't. Companies are, you know, the least informed, which is why, you know, someone who's a great marketer goes and works at a marketing agency so they can keep doing great marketing work. Someone who doesn't know any better gets any job they can and is a, uh, you know, marketing consultant, manager, associate or whatever, right? That's just the way it goes. And, you know, even CMOs at great companies hire agencies because they know how to do it better. And if you end up climbing the ranks of marketing in a company, it's because you end up having to hire agencies. And so you become someone who becomes proficient at hiring and managing marketers. You don't do the marketing yourself. You kind of know what the company needs. But if you're doing great marketing, you work in an agency. And these guys and gals, I think, are who I want this show to be for. So I'm going to, like, launch a, you know, I want to charge two to $4,000 a month per client. And whatever value I have to provide to do that, I will. Um, I will provide, but that's the goal, you know, four to six clients on this like training platform. And I'm, I, I feel like I'm in a great spot. I'd like to make a million dollars a year from this. That would be like, that's my goal. So that's 80 K just 40 to 20 to 40 clients. Now the question is, will agencies pay an outside resource 
to for anything. And if I can, my my question is, if I can show you how to upcharge all your existing B2B, add better marketing, uh, content marketing services to your agency, so you can charge, you know, an extra 10 to 15K a month per client, let's say five to 15, then are you going to say no to that for, you know? And then on the business side, if they want this program too, they can use it themselves and um, save a ton of money. But I feel like, I don't know. It's like... Your product, you know, has two customer segments. Customer segment A, it makes them money. Customer segment B, it makes them money times, you know, it makes them money. On uh, Customer segment B, it saves them money, right? So psychologically, who's going to be more willing to give it a shot? Well, I think it's the segment that can make money off your product because that segment that that act or that benefit is endless however many customers and clients they can sell this can make you know money times each one so you have a hundred if you have 10 clients right and half of them sign up one you know let's say you sign up one now you just paid off you've, you've already turned a profit on this course or whatever and you know, it's only gravy from there, right? But if I sell it to a business who I've been trying to sell it to historically, or, you know, who I thought I would sell this to historically, you can only save them. There's a bottom to, or see, yeah, there's a bottom to how much you can save them. There's just no, you know, there's no more money. You can only save so much money. It's not an unlimited upside. So, that, um, Maybe that's the cheaper price point, and then the larger price point is for agencies because the ROI is so high, and they'll need more. They'll be using the tool more often or the framework. And so I'm wondering, like, what's the simplest way to start cashing checks? And to me, that would be... Some like, whoa, is that a bi- biplane? You know one of those planes with the two wings? It's about to fly over the highway here on my way up. I'm right past Concord and Mills. Big, uh, that's, some, that's something else. Holy shit. I'm going to get into an accident. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, and it's like waving in the wind. That's nerve-wracking. It's turning back. Thank God. Jesus Christ. What is that? Just some old biplane. I don't know what they're called. It's like a two... You know what I mean? Monty Burns belongs in it. And then maybe I'll have like a um, free thing on how to get the job at an agency or a, in marketing, 
like a free certification. <clears throat> yeah, and that might be what my book is. Like, read the book, take a quiz, you get certified. If you don't know what's in this book, like, I, we're not going to be a good client. Because you have no idea what's going on. And if you don't admit that by reading my book and saying there's some good ideas in here, then we can't talk. Like, we're, you're, you're going to waste my time. So I'm only going to sell to people who download the book. And I'm only going to, therefore, promote the book in these podcasts, these live video casts. And the crazy thing is I found an app. It's a website, I guess, called, what is it called? Pivot? No. It was like a really clever, you know, random word. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm never going to find it. It's in my email. Um, But I found this app that lets you live stream to LinkedIn from your phone. Because LinkedIn is so dumb. I can't believe how little Microsoft invests in LinkedIn. It's insane. But in, in new features. I know they have features, but like they've had a live feature for almost a year now that you have to like sign up for. And I keep signing up. And nobody will get back to me. I'm like a nobody in their ecosystem. So they don't fucking care. Like they don't want individuals live streaming yet. They want brands only. They don't say that, but that's what they're doing. And so the, uh, and I get it. They don't want to support that functionality yet for mass live streaming. It really does, uh, you know, affect it, but uh, it changed the dynamic, but Needless to say, I want the functionality. I want you to live stream. And so I found this website, and it literally from your phone, the webpage lets you live stream to LinkedIn. Hook up your LinkedIn, as well as Facebook and YouTube and Twitch and something else. I'm like, oh shit, this is crazy. It was at like front camera, 720p. I could not believe it. I literally, I couldn't believe it. The world we live in is absurd. And, uh, so I'm wondering, like, do I sit at a desk and use my laptop? Do I put up the phone on my tripod and get in front of a whiteboard and talk about marketing topics? You know, people on LinkedIn are there to, like, learn more. So maybe I can kind of teach everybody a little bit about marketing and it can help them in whatever role they got. Oh boy. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I think a whiteboard session would be cool on like how to think about marketing. And pretty much I could just, you know, walk through what I walked through there. Like, how did I figure out who to launch this to? There's plenty of conversation there. Um, You know, at the same time, I'm like, uh, it's going to be less fun if I'm on the white. Like, maybe save all the whiteboard stuff for behind the, quote, paywall. Even if it's a free paywall or something. I don't want to, it, it, it kind of, that fills me with dread, but it, like, sucks all the energy out of me to think about, like, training people live. As opposed to having the hangout that everybody wants to be a part of. That's what I was trying to get to with that story. 
is the man, am I lost or no? Exit 58. Um, everybody wants to hang. The community. The camaraderie. And that comes from a shared experience. Almost what people would call trauma bonding. And I can talk pretty well about the trauma of doing marketing for clients that always ruin your marketing. If they literally just let you do your work, you would provide better results. It's so funny that it's so funny how clients think they know what their marketing goals or objectives should be to hit their business goals, yet they don't know how to do it themselves, and so they're hiring you to do it. And so they don't know how to do it, but they're going to tell you how to do it. And so that's the ultimate friction of marketing. And that's why everyone that knows how to market leaves companies because leadership never knows how to do marketing. If they did, they would be more profitable. And you want to, you know, if you're a marketer, you'd rather be around other marketers, I think, because they get it. And so you can work together and, you know, you get a better experience across multiple projects. So, yeah. And then, the you know, the idea is to reuse that audio and that video, make content, blah, blah, blah. And uh, probably start a LinkedIn page just for this thing. This project. I was calling it B2B Marketing School, but um, maybe I'll call B2B Marketing Sucks. Because <laughs> it does. Nobody wants to be in B2B. It's like the least interesting place to be a marketer. You're doing less marketing and you're doing a lot more sales support. Getting the sales team documents and decks and PDFs and the like. You're not doing anything flashy, for sure. The flashiest B2B sale uh, marketing is like done at like, you know, Fortune 1000 companies. You have a little bit of money to spend. And even then, it's like a million and a half dollars. And it's really like 300 grand you can actually spend on like an interesting idea, right? Everything else is accounted for, vanilla things. And, uh, And you get to like you know, have a nice trade show booth or write uh, ads at the at the airport. Like, that's wacky B2B marketing. And no one's making a, uh, you know, live stream show or a social media show or a documentary or that kind of stuff no one's doing. And it's so dumb not to do that. Anyway, all right, I will talk to you guys later. Good luck, everybody.